What if living a healthy lifestyle could be simple? What if you had an action plan, coping strategies, and motivational tools to help you move forward? Would you use them? Hello, my listeners, and welcome to the Simply Transform podcast created for those who want to make a change and just need some inspiration and simple steps to get you on your way to that happy, healthy life you so desire. I'm your host, Jen Benson, and I will be bringing you knowledge bombs, simple tools, expert advice, and of course, lots of positive vibes as we navigate our journey through what we call life. Simply transform with me and let's build our futures together. Hey, hey, it's Jen, and I'm here today with the compassionate Laura Jack. As a compassionate communication coach, trainer for the Grief Recovery Institute, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of the Compassion Code Academy, Laura Jack provides in-depth training both, both personally and professionally for those who want to communicate compassionately while navigating challenging conversations and change or loss of any kind. Her mission is to create a culture of compassion, starting with self, by supporting people to move through their grief so they can rediscover their light after loss and turn their pain into purpose. I just love that. Hello, Laura. (laughs) Welcome. Thanks, Jen. I'm so glad to be here. And it's kind of funny to hear my bio. Like, it's interesting to like hear that because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I do. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. (laughs) She's got it. (laughs) Um, so we met through Tina Dietz, who just the fabulous Tina, who, um, created or helped us create our audio book, make our audio books come to life or our book come to life in audio version. Um, and I went to her and said, I need someone who coaches to grief or deals with grief because I have a lot of clients that are dealing with, you know, grief in some way, not just a loss of a person, but a loss of a career or loss of uh, physical ability or a move, like some, some kind of loss. Um, and what was amazing was when I bought your book and read it, I was like, I'm actually the one that needs this, right? Like we all need this skill. It's not just my, my clients that are dealing with grief. Um, and you touch upon in your book that everyone grieves. So, um, Tell us, because we all start with a story, why you're here doing this work and your story. We want to hear your story. Awesome. Thanks, Jen. I love, I love hearing your perspective of how we connected and all that because it's fun. It's like we each have our own experience of our existence, right? Yeah. Um, so my story, really what led me here to be on this call with you is um, the death of my mother. And so in January of 2008, my mom, who has, was my absolute best friend, my confidant, my person that I turned to for all things was run over by a car while crossing the street. And it was just like an earth shattering experience for me. Um, I really, um, I just learned this term and I love it, but I was an instrumental griever which meant I did it really like methodically and logically. Like I was like, okay, well, first I have to do these things and then I need to do this. And not, I wasn't an emotional griever because I had been taught all my life to be happy and positive and not to be sad. And that's not my role. Like that wasn't my role in my world of my family, my friends. I was the positive one. I was the happy one. I was the one who could always find the good in all things. But what that meant for my grief of losing my mom, which was like, to me, the most earth shattering thing that 
could have ever happened at that point in my life. I was like, well, then if I'm only supposed to be happy and positive, then what do I do with all these other feelings? And so I was like, okay, well, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm being strong. And I was doing all the things that I was taught and that society teaches us about grief. And that was very confusing. Uh, And it was really conflicting. And so I was at some point in the midst of feeling like I lost myself, I was determined to kind of figure out because I am a methodical kind of doer, achiever oriented person. I was like, okay, how can I figure this out? Cause I am not going to stay like this forever. Cause this sucks. Mm-hmm. And cause I was, I was sad and I was, I was heartbroken and I was scared and I was, I lost so much confidence. I lost my sense of self. Like I had always been like the life, the life of the party. I was always so fun. And I just felt like I can't even enjoy my own company, much less entertain others. Yeah. Um, and so I just felt like I got to figure out something else to do because what I'm doing, which was pretending I was okay. And then just being devastated at night by myself or with my then boyfriend, um, just wasn't working for me. And so I kind of went on this journey that started with massage, which is funny, but massage led me to feel my feelings without having to talk about them, Oh, which was really powerful. So I got my first massage in October or sometime late, like fall, maybe it was July of 2008. So my mom died in January. And in July, I got my first ever paid for massage and I paid for it myself, which was a big deal because I spent most of my life being like, oh, I don't take care of myself in those ways and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I got this massage. And after that massage, I just felt like I'm going to be okay. Hmm. And I was like, why do I feel better? This is so strange because I had been in such darkness, but without having to say a word, my body released so much pain that had been carrying around. And so I got really curious and I decided to enroll in massage school. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, so fast forwarding, I ended up becoming a health coach, much Mm -hmm. like you, because I love I love health and I love, I've always been, I, I always was curious about, you know, how to help people lose weight, including my own self and how to like have a healthy body image and how to, you know, all those things. I always loved learning about that and the body. And so I was like, oh, this seems like a logical next step yeah. to become a health coach. Great. Right. So I did. And as I'm health coaching people, I faced kind of what you were facing, which is okay, they're coming to lose weight. But then when we're in session, they're talking to me about like all these big things. Yes. And I did not feel equipped. I was not ready to help people through those kind of big things. I'm like, I'm not a counselor. Like, what am I supposed to do with all these big emotions that people are having about kale? You know, we're talking about kale and all of a sudden, like they're crying about something else that's totally related, but not the thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh crap. Like I need I need, there's more to this thing and I don't know what it is yet, but I got to figure it out. And then, so, sorry, this is a kind of a long story, but no, this is is great. I I love it. I love (laughs) it. Um, So one night I was at my house in Sugarland where I grew up outside of Houston, Texas, which is five miles from where my mom was killed. And my dad, who is also very methodical and logical and Step by step. Mm-hmm. And he's a financial advisor. He's very like left-brained and 
um, I said, dad, do you think I can make this health coach thing work? My dad's like, well, let's get out the spreadsheets. <laughs> Cause he, he's like thinking from his perspective, which is obviously totally valid as well. But that wasn't what I was looking for. I was looking for what my mom would have said, which was, of course, you can do anything. You can do it. I believe in you. But that is not my dad's personality. And it's actually not something that I typically seek from him because I know that's not something he can give me. And so that night I was in my childhood home. It's actually the end. It was the anniversary of my mother's death. So that's why I was home. And I'm, I'm in bed. Actually, my boyfriend at the time when my mom died became my husband. So I'm laying in bed with my husband. and. Aaron, if my mom were here, she would know what I should do, but something isn't working for me with this health coaching thing, which is why I was asking because I was looking for validation one way or the other. Yes. Yep. And so that night I went to sleep in tears and I woke up around four in the morning and I could feel my mom's presence in my room, my childhood room. And never before and never since has this happened to me, Um, not to this extent at least. But I was like, I, I was looking around the room like, where are you? I know where you're are here. you. Yeah. Like I felt her so strongly. And all of a sudden in my head, I start getting this message of love, loss, love, love, loss, love. And it just kept going like the matrix, like over and over and over as if it like zero, one, zero, one, zero, one, like yeah. love, loss, love, love, <laughs> loss, love. And I was like, love, loss, love. Okay. And then, but I'm in bed and it's four in the morning. And so I get my phone out. I like start typing in my phone, like love, loss, love. And then all these other, once I started writing it, all these other thoughts start coming into my head. I was like, well, crap. So I get up, I get out of bed, I go to my dad's office and I start like writing. I write for four hours till eight o'clock in the morning. And then when my dad wakes up, which he knows I went to bed kind of upset with him, even though I wasn't actually mad at him, I was just sad, right? Yeah. But I like, oh my God, dad, like you'll never believe what happened. Cause like the last thing he saw was me like crying and being like, forget it. You know, right. <laughs> just go to bed. Just go to bed. Um, and I was like, you will not believe like mom came to visit me in the night. And I grew up as a, a Jewish girl with like kind of traditional, like my dad's a businessman, his brothers are doctors, like whatever. He's like, okay. Like, or like curious, but not sure what he, right. what to do with that information. So I start reading him what I had written. I drew this picture. I wrote this thing. Here's my first talk that I'm going to give about like helping people love their life after loss. Mm. Oh, look up and he's in tears. I was like, okay. If I like, if we're both crying and neither of us process our grief this way, then then I'm on to something. There's something to this. There's something. Wow. Amazing. And that was the day that I switched paths, like, or, or elongated my path Yeah, and decided I need to figure out how to help people with loss. Wow. And so here cool. we are. Fast forward. That was like eight years ago now. Wow. I know. And, you, and here we are doing loss and grief. Yeah. Grief yeah. Work. Like, holy cow, you know, thanks mom for that. Wow. I information. know how that happens. And it's like in a way that you wouldn't have ever wished for, but it's a gift that you can help other people with now and a gift that we all need. Cause like you brought up, you know, there's loss in that way, you know, that you experience the loss of a mother, a person, um, 
but there's so much loss, like you were saying, in, in everything that we don't even realize, like loss of, um, you know, someone that like, for example, my son had a problem with addiction this past year and it was like grieving your child that's still alive, you know, just grieving that they're not there anymore. <laughs> like they're so far gone. And um, just so many other things that you realize, wow, you don't look at it as grief. You look at it as I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm going through something, you know, but it really is. Yeah. And when we're able to put that word on it, there's this sense of relief that comes because we're able to lift all this judgment and diagnosis around like, oh, I'm depressed or I'm this or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we're able to actually see it for what it is. Um, I'd love to give you a couple definitions of grief that we use in the Grief Recovery Institute that I think would be super helpful for what we're talking about. The first one is the conflicting feelings that come at the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. So I'm going to say it again. The conflicting feelings, so not like the bad, sad, terrible feelings, but the conflicting feelings that come when things change. Okay. Why we grieve when we get married, when we have a baby, when we retire, when we graduate, when good things happen to us as well. We grieve because it's the end of something. And even though there's a new beginning that might be exciting, there's conflicting feelings. I'm sad and I'm excited I'm, mm-hmm. and, and I'm confused because I feel it all. And what is that? Yes. And you're like down on yourself because you're saying, I should be happy. I should be grateful. I got a promotion. Why am I so upset? Well, because now I'm the boss and not a friend with all my people that I just used to like. Right. Right. Right? And and then what it does is it's like, then we get to have self-compassion because we're grievers and we're grieving. Um, The other definition that I think, especially with your son with addiction and anybody who's had a family member with Alzheimer's dementia um, would be helpful or like gets diagnosed with bipolar or schizophrenia yes. or anything like that is a loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations. Mm. Because we have expectations for our, when we have a miscarriage, that's a mm-hmm. loss of a hope, dream, and expectations of a baby that we've already basically created a whole life for in our own minds, right. in our hearts that we love. We've lost a dream and expectation. When you get divorced, even if you're the one choosing the divorce, you didn't think that that would be how your relationship would turn out. So you're grieving right. the hope, dream, and expectation that you would be having a 40-year anniversary. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. I thought it would turn out differently. Is like a lot of what I hear when I hear people talking about kind of intangible loss, losses mm-hmm. that we don't consider grief, even though they are, right. that is so incredibly important. Because then what we do is we give ourselves permission to feel those feelings, which actually allows us to move through them more easily rather than pushing them down and stifling them because we're not supposed to, I should feel blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. And so many of us do that. And I see, um, you know, like with my clients and, and myself, you know, w- when I read your book, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much grief out there that we don't call grief. You know? And we wonder and we push it down and push it down and put like, we're not allowed to feel this way. Um, and it's just amazing when you take that pressure off, like you said, to just allow yourself to feel through it and, and kind of grow through it on your own path, you know, in a compassionate way. And that self-compassion, which is such a big, a big piece that I talk about with my clients. And now there's even more to talk about knowing that it's like, you know, all connected. It's just having that, that kindness and allowing yourself 
to feel and grow and experience and discover and uncover and all of that in, in a safe space, you know, without judgment. And that's the key, right? That yes. non-judgmental piece. Curiosity, because, like from a curious, non-judgmental standpoint. Yeah. Um, it's let huge. me ask you, oh, what I wanted to touch on in your book, which I thought yeah. was great was when people are suffering through this stuff, we go into fix it mode. And <laughs> as a coach, especially it's hard because sometimes you want to put that expert hat on and like, as a helper, you know, we're all yeah. in this field. You, you feel like you're helping somebody sometimes when you're like, I can fix, I can, Oh, I have a tool or I have, you know, you, you're doing it out of like your reasons for doing it mm -hmm. are kind. Um, but it can be very disempowering to the person on the other end if you are, uh, how did you put it? I wrote it down uh, using platitudes, <laughs> which actually I didn't know what that was until a client was telling me her whole story about her boyfriend broke up with her, her dog died and some things along that line. And she's like, and I don't need platitudes. And I'm thinking, I don't know what that is. I better look that up. So apparently I did that before to her or she did. Or somebody has, not necessarily like, you, but she was just yeah. protecting herself she in advance. Like telling don't me. tell me it's going to be okay. Don't tell me that I'll right. find someone else. Don't tell me I can get a new dog. Like, right. Cause that sucks. And I don't want to hear it. Right. So she was putting her boundary out there. Like, don't even go that way. Right. Um, Good for her. The optimist. I know. <laughs> The um, story stealer, which again, you're trying to say, well, me too, like this, you know, you're trying to connect, but not realizing that you're not giving that person power to feel through their own experience and just being alongside them versus like, I can save you, you know, I, I can, oh, look, this, this happened and it turned out great. So speak more to that. Yes. That's, those are so great. Um, so um, I will share a little article that I wrote with you so you can put it in the show notes if you want. And I actually did a whole webinar on how to move out of isolation to connection when you are the griever yourself, which okay. is basically some scripts that you can say, which are like kind of like healthy boundaries, but with kindness rather yeah. than like, don't do that to me, <laughs> right? Like without having to be defensive or, or unkind, there's healthy ways to do it, right? So you can still mm -hmm. keep people in your life, especially people you want in your life. Um, and that being said, the, have you seen Inside Out by any chance? I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's a, it's a Pixar oh, film. Oh, yes. I was going to say the cartoon with the emotions, yes, right? Yes, it's the cartoon with the emotions. And for anyone out there, um, I would highly recommend it. It's very well done. And from a grief perspective, I was like, A+. Plus. Um, <laughs> I agree. I was so proud. Um, but one of the things and why I bring it up is that, you know, she, the young girl, they move and moving is a huge grieving experience because the conflicting feelings that come when things change, mm -hmm. you're saying goodbye to your old life, to your old routine, to all familiar patterns of behavior. Right. And what the parents did really well in that movie is when she says, I'm feeling really sad. I miss my friends. The typical intellectual societal crap that we give back. It's like, well, we have a bigger house now. You'll make new friends mm -hmm. and like all these intellectual things that just don't help. And instead they were like, yeah, we miss our old house too. Like it's being human. It's like, yes, agreed. It's totally normal that you feel that way. And so one of the things that we get to do as helpers and coaches and healers is that we get to validate people's experiences 
Like the best thing that I can ever do in my life as a coach, as a grief recovery specialist, as a compassionate communication person is validate people's feelings. Oh, that totally makes sense. That makes sense that you would feel that way. Because when we do that, one, we help them see that what they're experiencing is normal and that they're not bad or wrong for feeling feelings, right? And then they feel safe to feel it. And once we're allowing that feeling, it actually passes much more easily, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of being like, don't feel bad, at least fill in the blank. Don't feel bad. You can get another dog, right? All those don't feel bads or myths, you know, that we talk, that I do talk about in the book and that the Grief Recovery Institute really like hammers home in such an amazing way. It's like, if we can acknowledge and validate and sit with somebody in their pain, that's usually all they're looking for. And then we've done our job. And then we can say, would you like to take action on what we, what you just uncovered in yourself? No, Hmm. actually, I feel really good right now. One of the best things I like to do is just say, would it be helpful for me to just let you vent and listen? Or are you looking for us to brainstorm some solutions together? Hmm. Right? Because sometimes, and let them, and then breathe. (laughs) let them figure it out because sometimes they don't know. Right. And so when we allow them to vent without having to fix the vent, like, oh, your vent is not working for me. Like, (laughs) right. Cause like we hear all this negativity and all this stuff. Sometimes that's all they need is just a safe space to spew out Mm. all that stuff. And then when they're done, they're like, ah, yeah. So, and you can put a timer on it. Hey, let's put a timer on it. Get like five minutes, just go. Blah, nothing. I'm not going to say anything except for thank you. Thank you for sharing. Wow. That's so, it's such a great skill, isn't it? Just to listen. And it makes our lives as the listener so much easier because we don't have to come up with the solution unless they want us right. to, and then we'll do it together. Right, right. And sometimes we don't ask permission to do that. We would just jump right into, you know, fixing where it's like, giving permission to have that space to use it as they want, right? And then asking them permission if they want to brainstorm some things. The other one I wanted to touch on was your story stealing question. Yeah. That story, like, but I want to relate. Um, Most people, when they share a story, it's because they want to be relatable. They want to show that they understand on some level. Um, And the best way to do that from a communication standpoint is to listen first. And then you can say, that really resonates with me or that really like that really lands in my heart. Um, Would you mind if I share an experience that might be helpful Mm. or relevant? And as a coach, I never share a story unless it's going to help that person feel empowered or hear it from a different perspective. Like there is no point in telling your story, especially when you're the coach or in charge of the dynamic, right? unless it is there to serve. So just Mm -hmm. check yourself, which all you do is breathe, like take one extra breath. And then you ask permission, Hey, would it be helpful if I shared a a story that might be relevant or helpful for you? And if they're like, no, a lot of times they'll say yes. And then I often also add, take what helps and leave behind whatever doesn't. That's a good one. 
because then it gives them permission to like, I don't like that part, but I'll take this. Thank you. Thank you. Like they get right. to pick what helps them and what doesn't. And then they're not like, oh, but she was supposed to help me with all the things, right? It just mm-hmm. gives a lot more permission for it to be their choice. Yes. And it should be their story, right? <laughs> so I, lo- I loved that part of your book because it resonated with me. Yeah. I read all of them and said, oh, I've done that. Oh, I've done that. Oh, I've- oh gosh. Like I- <laughs> so Jen, let me ask you, how can you now moving forward, what's the key to looking at that and not beating yourself up about it? Self-compassion. <laughs> winner, winner, winner. <laughs> and practice, right? And I think um, like we talked, we were supposed to have our podcast last week and I yeah. was had the opportunity to visit a friend who is, uh, you know, was tragically paralyzed and I haven't seen him in over a year. And it was one of those things that it's, you don't, you know, it's going to be hard and you, you're thinking, should I, like so many people just don't go in those situations because you don't know what to say. You don't know, you're worried more about you and your reaction versus supporting that person. And it was just so timely, the whole listening thing and not trying to fix, um, which helped me a ton. I felt confident going in there because I knew he just was going to talk and you just listen. And he was, you know, crying at certain points, but not to stop him and say, things are going to be, they're going to get better, you know, any of that. And I think it was helpful because he just had his time to vent, cry, you know, be in that space. So it's, I'm, I'm practicing that. And I want to just applaud you for taking your, what you learned and immediately taking it and putting it into action. Oh, thanks. With your help. That's what I mean. Like God's perfect timing with everything. Um, even this, this podcast and how it all came about, what people need now more than ever with everything going on is like, I mean, even the conversations I have, people are grieving the way things used to be. And now it's a different normal. They're grieving the politics, the, the state of the world, you know, and it's like grief is everywhere. And you know what I'm so thrilled about, which I know is a funny silver lining for me as a grief person, is that people are using the word grief for the Mm. first time appropriately. Instead of thinking, oh, it's only about death. Yes, it is also about death. And it's the death of a dream. It's the death of a way of life. Like We are literally saying goodbye to all of our old social norms. My daughter, who's five, we were watching the Cinderella that came, the like adult, like the act, action. Yes, I don't the, know what they call it, but like the, the, adult human, one. Version, the human version <laughs> of it, um, not the cartoon. And she was like, those people are awfully close without masks on. Like, was oh, like, interesting that that's, yeah. Like she's just like, like, oh my God. I just like my eyes filled with tears in some ways because I am such a touch, close love person. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. And also like so wise of her to notice, you know, but it was just like one of those moments where like our lives will never be as they were. And they might be some semblance of that. And maybe there's things that'll be from this that'll be better, but it's also such a huge grieving experience of saying goodbye to hugging our friends on a regular basis without wondering, is this in your COVID comfort? Like, right. Right. Always second guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so hard. 
And it such is. a truth, a truthful grieving experience. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. My gosh. So what can you give people that are grieving if they need, because I always like to end the podcast with three tools or one thing that they can do and take after this and apply it right away to their lives. Like, what would you say would be the top, I don't know, whatever you want to name off um, ways to deal with grief? Yeah. Well, I think the number one is like, name your true feelings. What are you feeling? Are you sad? Are you disappointed? Are you heartbroken? Are you grief stricken? Are you confused? Are you disappointed? Like name your feelings. When we can give our feelings a voice, we recognize that they're universal because we've all felt sad. We've all felt confused. We've all felt embarrassed, ashamed, overwhelmed, like heartbroken, devastated. And what that does is it reminds us how human we truly are because while how we got to those feelings might be different, the feelings themselves are a universal experience. And so that will allow us to recognize our common humanity, not feel so alone or isolated because we're all on a journey individually and as a collective. And so that's the first thing is just name your feelings. And then a little exercise you can do that I think would be helpful is sit with yourself, take out a piece of paper and a pen and write, Dear, say your feeling that came up with sadness. Dear sadness, it's me, Laura. I hear you. I see you. I feel you. What are you here to teach me? Hmm. Question mark. (laughs) And then write it. Listen. Listen inside your head. Listen inside your heart. Listen to your intuition and write down the answer. And there's no wrong answer. We're making stories up all the time anyway. So you might as well make up a story that's helpful for you to heal. Right. So when we give ourselves permission to name the feeling and then ask the feeling what it wants for you to learn, to receive from this experience, we're on the path to empowerment rather than victimhood. Yeah. Yeah. Right? There's something we can do about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the, the last other thing I'll say is it's important to recognize that time alone does not heal us. Mm. In the grief recovery world, we use this metaphor of the, the flat tire. And the idea is that if you were to be driving along and your tire goes flat, are you going to sit there and wait for the, the tire to fill itself back up? Mm-hmm. No. We can, there's a, several ways to do it. You can get out your manual and take out the spare and do it yourself. You can call a professional like AAA or the, you know, the tire club or whatever. You can call a friend or family member to come help you. You can put your thumb out on the side of the road. (laughs) But the one thing that those things all have in common is action. Mm. So time, if we wait for someone or something outside of ourselves to help us heal, we could wait a lifetime. However, if we do something, if we take action into our own hands and recognize that we are the heroes or the heroines on our own journey, the hero or heroine of a journey does not let the death be the end of them, whatever death it may be, whatever obstacle they face. It's the beginning of a journey. It's not the end of the story. You never watch a Disney film or Lord of the Rings or whatever and like, oh, I guess his dad died and he's done. No, it's the beginning of a montage of recovery and healing and a journey to rediscover themselves. And so just know that 
while you may be in immense pain, while you may have heartache, while you may be confused or conflicted, this is a choice that you get to make is how do I proceed on my journey? And what do you, so what do you tell people when they know they need to take action, but they're not real sure what action to take? So I created a program. So I invite people to do work with me because that was like, that was what I did because I was like, what the heck do I do? Right. So some people are self-starters and they just need to read a bunch of self-help books and follow the directions. Right. So in, in the form that I have people fill out on my website, I'm like, okay, would, are you a self-help do it yourself kind of person? If so, Click this one and I'll send you some book recommendations. Are you somebody who needs to be surrounded with community of other people who are doing something about it? If so, here's what you can recommend, I can recommend for you. And if you're the kind of person who wants like a high level of support and accountability to actually walk through a step-by-step effective plan or action to heal your broken heart and begin creating meaning and purpose in your life, then I have this other thing for you. So basically it kind of depends on the person and what they're ready for. And so if they're ready for some kind of major life transformation, then I invite them to light after loss, which is my program. Because for me, love, loss, love led me down this path to figure out how do I find my light again? Yeah. And so now it's been, you know, 13 years since my mom died when we're, as we're doing this podcast and I'm, I've not only found my light, but I feel like I am shining brighter than I've ever shined with my mom as my guide and as my Aww. support. And she's like standing behind me at all times and, and in my heart knowing I can help other people experience joy again too. And I'd like to do that. So I have all sorts of paths to take action. Gotcha. And it just kind of depends on the person and what they're looking for. So if they are a person that really doesn't know where to go next. They need you. (laughs) Yes. I can at least guide them or direct them to what is like, Hey, next steps. What do I do? What next? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what so many people need is like, okay, this has happened. Like now what? Now what? 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 Yeah. Well, baby steps. It's always just one baby step at a time. As one of my mentors said to me, small hinges swing big doors. So oh, even little that. things can actually help us heal and grow. So just take a baby step, even if that means reading my book, even if that means doing a little Googling, even if that means, you know, filling out, watching my webinar and filling out a form and talking to me on the phone. Like those are baby steps that send you in the right direction. And even if I'm not the right fit, I might be able to recommend the right person for you. Maybe you're looking for a medium. I don't do mediumship. There might be somebody out there that I can recommend for you who wants to do that. Or maybe you're looking for a clergy member or somebody who's more faith-based. Like every single person's experience of the world is unique. And so all you have to determine is what are the feelings I have? What are those feelings trying to teach me? And are they going to propel me on a path where I get to experience a journey of recovery, growth, healing, and purpose? Or am I going to stay stuck here? And if I'm going to stay stuck here, can I be at peace with that stuckness? And if I am, then that's okay too. Like maybe my journey is to stay stuck here for a little while. Yeah. Wow. Deep stuff. (laughs) 
which I love. I love. <laughs> I, always, I always want to get right into the deep stuff when people yeah. are like, hey, just show me bicep curls. I'm like, yeah, what? you know, because they get talking. I'm like, what's really going on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I totally. I mean, and I said this to you when we initially talked, when you talked to me about the podcast, but when people are exercising and finding their body and finding that new strength inside, it's the perfect complement to their healing journey because mm-hmm. they're always going to come across stumbling blocks until they do their inner work. Right. Right. And I think a lot of it starts with that, like something needs to change mm-hmm. what's like easy and not, you know, <laughs> fitness. <laughs> and then it's like, it gets deeper and that's, that's just the stuff I love because, yes. you know, we were, you said it, like we're all unique, but there's always a story, a journey, some kind of, you know, even spiritual journey going on yeah. for anyone, everyone. And it just depends yeah. on where they're at in that journey, you know? Yeah. Exactly. I like to be the person who takes them from surviving to thriving. Like that's always my joy, but sometimes I meet them when they're at the very, very beginning and they're not ready yet. So just having that conversation with me shines a tiny light of hope. And that, and that also has to be enough for me too. It's like, as a coach, as a guide, as a lover of humans, like I also have to let go of my agenda that I'm everybody's teacher because I'm not. You know, right. and so it's like, I just have to trust that they're going to find me at the right time when they're ready. And I'm going to guide them to whatever their next step is, whether it's with me or not. Right. Right. And I, I'm with you on that. You know, it's as long as you can get that person to their next step and, and watch them kind of progress a little and flourish. And that's the goal, right? We all just want to be our best versions of ourselves and we need to find the people that will get us there. And it's not a, a lone journey. You know, everything is teamwork. You know, we're all in this together and there's so many people that can help if you're willing to let them, you know. Exactly. I'm totally with you. I love it. I love this, Jen. Thank you. Well, where can people find you? And I, well, first I want to say, um, I read the compassion code, how to say the right thing when the wrong thing happens. And I'm showing this, but people won't see it, but I have some like highlights in here and things that I circled. <laughs> it's just like, Ooh, work on this. Um, but it truly was a gift. So thank mm-hmm. you for, for that. And I, I just want people to get it. <laughs> yeah. Go get it. get it. <laughs> I know somebody said to me once, they're like, I wish every single person in the world could read this book because we all need to know yes. how to support each other through hardship. And I was like, I wish everybody could have the book too. Like, that's why I wrote it was, I was like, I want something that anyone in the world could pick up. And it could potentially help change their life. And this is it. I'm, I'm serious. Like you have achieved your goal because, <laughs> <laughs> because it is. We all need, we just we need it because there's, there's just grief everywhere. Yeah. And um, at some point in everyone's life, you're going to experience it in one way or another. And <laughs> I think to not shy away from supporting other people and knowing how to support them in a way that's empowering is we all need this, you know, we need it. So it's, it's a gift. So thank you. All right. So where do they find you? Oh, so just laurajack.com is the easiest way. Um, and I can send you a couple links you can give to them because I have a compassion code starter guide. So if they're not ready to buy the book or there's some reason that's a little, like, it's kind of like the cliff's notes. Um, and then I can, so I can send you a link to that. And then also, um, I have three different webinars that I teach. So one is about actually moving beyond the pain and finding purpose. One is about 
you know, how to, from an empowered place, ask people to support you the way you want, like I mentioned earlier. And then the third one is compassionate communication 101. So I'm really teaching people, how do I have self-compassion so I can communicate effectively with others? And so um, those are all on my website as well. But I just, I just want to educate people and help yeah. normalize people's experiences of the world. So laurajack.com. And then I, again, I'll send you those webinar links so that people can have access. Yes. Thank you. You have so many things. I mean, I feel like there's really no way you can say no to <laughs> something we all need because you have it all. all right. So, thank you. and it was thank a blessing you. to have you on. It's just an honor. Really, it is to um, have you give this gift to the, to the world. I know it'll help my clients. They've been asking for tools like this or, you know, not even knowing what direction they want to go or, or where to find someone who deals with grief, you know, it's like, is there anyone out there that does this? Cause they (laughs) can't seem to find them. Um, you know, if you look for a therapist, sometimes it's like, you don't know if they deal with that or touch on, or even, you know, yeah, it doesn't seem to be a, um, there's a gap out there. So you're, you're in. (laughs) Let me tell you that marketing, which just means like letting people know what you do or that you exist in the world is something that healers struggle with because they feel somehow dirty, like letting people know they exist. And what I try to teach, because I do a lot of business training too for for healers and holistic entrepreneurs, but essentially I'm like, if they don't know you exist, they can't get your help. So like, don't hide because you're afraid to charge money or all that stuff that people are so afraid of because ultimately if they don't know you're there, they can't get your help. And so if you see an underserved market, it's not that they don't exist out there. It's just they don't, they feel uncomfortable sharing that they exist because they're afraid of somehow being like putting people off. And so I find that to be fascinating. But yeah, I just happen to also really like marketing because I like letting people know I exist (laughs) and I love coaching people around marketing. So awesome. Well, it may also be that word grief that some maybe practitioners shy away from. I don't know. Or they use other words for it, like Mm -hmm. dealing with depression versus dealing with grief. Um, Oh. Um, so I think, you know, I've gotten that question from a a couple of people, um, like, Hey, who deals with this? So you're it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, there's a world out there. So just if you're listening to this and you're like, I need help. Yes. You can reach out to me. And if I'm not the right fit for some reason, please know I've trained over 400 grief recovery specialists online. And so no matter where you are in the United States or around the world, Um, you can receive support and I don't have to be the only answer. So if you're like, Oh, I don't like her energy, which is totally fine. Like, and you may, and that's great. And I can't wait to meet you. And if you don't, please just don't run away. Please know that you can get help and that there is help out there. Awesome. Well, thank you, my dear. It was so great having you on. Thank you for um, having me. Yeah, we will. We will talk some more, but I'm sure that people will love to listen to these tools and get in touch with you. So Thank you. I am beyond grateful for you, my listener, for being open and willing to start making changes in your life today. It is my mission to help us all find what it takes to live the healthy lives we truly desire. Please visit me at jenbenson.com, two N's in Jen, to say hello. I would be honored to hear from you and be able to support you in your journey. Lots of love.